From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. And here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show. It's heard around the world as a podcast right here in Southern Colorado on the radio. Matt West here hanging out with you at the, uh, right now, from the Pikes Peak Hill Climb Fan Fest. This has been, uh, you might hear some crowd noise. There's there's a ton of people here, and uh, it's a really cool event. Joining me right now, OBD1 Kenobi. Brian. Brian is sitting right here right now. Brian, how many people do you see out here in the crowd? Far too many. Far too many? <laughs> yeah. You, you, how long did it take for you to walk through the crowd? Like literally 15 minutes to make a block. <laughs> oh, man. Were there at least uh, any cool race cars, anything like that? I mean, if there was, I couldn't see them. That's fair. That's fair. There's yeah, a lot too, of too, too many people. There's a lot of people. Yeah, there are a ton of people here. This is a great event, though, celebrating the Pikes Peak Hill Climb, which is coming up here in just a couple of days. I have been uh, up on the mountain. If I, if I look a little more tired than usual, if I'm just hanging on by a thread, that's because I've been getting up at 3 a.m. every morning. So <laughs> bear with me. But it has been really cool. The mountain has been fantastic. It has been exciting. It has been rainy and cold on some days, but... Real racing did happen. It's really good stuff. And the Fan Fest here, again, we've got all the Pikes Peak Hill Climb drivers all lined up, all the great cars that they've got here. And then there's my crusty Corolla, which, um, Brian, I, I'm going to bring you back in on this. Oh, what, t- what t- about the Corolla? T- tell me about the uh, the crustiness of my car. Is it crusty? Uh, it's pretty crusty. It's pretty crusty. Do you think it's the slowest car here? It's, it's definitely the slowest car here, and if not next to the mopeds. <laughs> See, that's because Devin, I'm pointing at him off camera here, Devin last year made this show spectacular. It was the highlight. There were the hill climb cars. There was all this stuff. Devin, though, doing a burnout on the moped yes, in the middle was. of my show. You, he interrupted my show with the burnout, and the crowd loved it. Like, I, that was the coolest thing because we had, like, all the hill climb cars were starting up. They were revving next to each other. They were doing all this crazy stuff. And the crowd wasn't cheering, but when he did the burnout... Oh, the crowd was cheering. The crowd was cheering. It was definitely cheering. The, yeah, so if you uh, if you missed out, check out last year's episode of the Fan Fest. It was spectacular, but we're here again. The weather's decently good. Uh, I mean, we had terrible rain, and it sucked on the mountain yesterday, but today was good. It's also good for the Fan Fest. We got sun. It's warm. There's race cars. And, and then my car. So, um, yeah. But, hey, there you go. Now, we have a lot of stuff to get to here. I'm going to be trying to grab Pikes Peak Hill Climb drivers or anybody, honestly, anyone I can coerce or bribe with keychains and stickers to uh, come on to my show. Brian, do you have a, do you have a keychain? I, I just realized I that the I, camera's rolling and I haven't been paying attention this entire time. <laughs> I've been staring off into the distance. You just, like, you hear the elevator music playing, you just know? Like, oh. <laughs> well, hey. Here, you have a keychain now. Oh, my so, God. There you go. How many times? You've been on the show like a hundred times. I know. You've never given me a keychain. I mean, what's up with that? Yeah, I think I owe you back keychains. Oh, you back like key several keychains, key yeah. Like my royalties? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. So, hey, hey, don't go anywhere. We are going to be coming back to you right here from the Pikes Peak Hill Climb Fan Fest, downtown Colorado Springs. It is a gorgeous day, and we're going to talk about more racing in just a minute. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. 
I'm Steve Turbocharged BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro, we'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes you, can make a difference. More information is available on the Automotive ADHD Facebook page, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Rocket. Oh, he's doing. He's gonna do a burnout with the electric scooter. I don't know if that's gonna work, but we're gonna try. I believe. I, I have you no gotta idea. be rolling. Yeah, he'll he'll get it during the middle of our he'll, conversation. He'll trick it. He'll figure it out, or he's gonna break it. He's gonna break it. <laughs> oh, it man. made a funny noise. You gotta do roll it. past, lift it, then drop it. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> All right. If you couldn't tell, we are live from the streets of the Pikes Peak Hill Climb Fan Fest, rocking it out here. It's been a ton of fun. Those car sounds you heard earlier uh, belong to S two thousand that is huh. on the mountain. Did you recognize that? I did. Y you did. <laughs> and my guest joining me right in here is Amir Bentatu. He uh, might be working on that S two thousand. He's got an interesting background. Uh, Amir, real quick, give me a quick introduction into who you are. Sure. Like, uh, so my name is Amir Bentatu. I am here doing all of the engineering for the Project Import S2000. So I have like setup, tire pressures, all that fun stuff. I guess I got a 30,000 foot view of my background. I started as a college dropout, uh, homeless, went back to California when my parents hit the mortgage crisis. Uh, always been deeply passionate about cars. Got my first car that I could drive up there, which was an old BMW 320i. Went up to the mountain roads at midnight and drove from midnight to 2 a.m. for two years reading the book Speed Secrets so I could teach myself to drive. From there, picked up every book on essentially mechanical repair, data engineering, engineering vehicle dynamics. And now, 16 years later, I work in professional racing as a vehicle engineer, uh, performance engineer, and then I also have my own shop called RS Future, where we build race cars. We do vehicle aerodynamics. We have aerodynamic packages that are bespoke and for cars. And then I have a Time Attack Acura NSX that's powered by a Honda K-Series, weighs about 2,000 pounds, makes wow. about 750 at the wheels, <laughs> and we've set a lot of records and had some fun. Well, and, and I, I I ran into you up on the mountain earlier. That is a this mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just over here like, wow. <laughs> oh, man. It's been a long, broke career. <laughs> it's, hey, but it's passion. It is. Yeah. And and we were talking about love for... It's uh, a hard part. For, yeah. for Honda stuff, too, oh. up on the mountain earlier. And, like, I mean, you've done all the cool Honda stuff. <laughs> all the cool Honda boy stuff. You've been there. You've done that. Uh, I've been very lucky. So, uh... I went backwards. I went from an E36 M3 time attack car, then I had a Porsche 911. Actually, no, Porsche 911, then the E36, and then I got into a Honda in a $1,000, or no, $1,500 Civic track beater okay. back when you could buy them for that cheap. And I was so blown away by how good the car was for such little money that I started really deep diving into Hondas. And from there, uh, and actually the car that I brought was an import tuner magazine ex-project car that my best friend who is a big Honda guy sold to me and uh, fell in love and from there I've owned essentially nothing but Honda since. Wow. <laughs> yeah and it's like uh, I have obviously my K-powered NSX, I've had uh, DC2s, EKs, EGs, all sorts of fun stuff. My girlfriend even, she's an amazing driver. Uh, 
She has an EK that's like a fully built track car. She has an NSX. She's been, she went from being like, oh, I don't like Hondas to once I showed her the light, now it's all she wants. <laughs> you gotta show the light. Yeah, yep. exactly. All the fun stuff. When that VTEC kicks over, you know. Oh, yeah. When that VTEC cracks, you can't help it. <laughs> oh, man. So and that's such an interesting background, too. So, so how, so you're working as a race engineer. That is, that is literally your job. Correct. It's one of the jobs I have. So I have one of the jobs. You have many, I should <laughs> yes. say. Yes. Yes. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. So uh, essentially what I do is I do uh, data engineering, performance engineering. And uh, so I'll go out to a race weekend and we run an Aston Martin GT4 program uh, with Schwest Pavolito Racing and SRO. And I'll go out there and essentially make sure that all of the electronic packages are working correctly. And from there, I do performance engineering. Is in like after every session, I look at all the data, get all the information I can, speak with the drivers, we'll make a plan, uh, and I work with the lead engineer there. And uh, essentially, our job is to make the cars reliable and as fast as possible. Wow, and that's one of the things. As enthusiasts, and and I know I speak to a large majority of my audience as enthusiasts. I mean, it's challenging to make a fast car a reliable car. Yes, that is very challenging. Like yeah. people say, fast and reliable. They make that sound easy because <laughs> I think you know that's not. It's yeah, like yeah, a it's yeah. like a triangle. It's like you can be fast and reliable, <laughs> but it's not going to be cheap. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You're cheap and fast. It's not going to be reliable. Uh, 100%. <laughs> and then it's like your fast, reliable, cheap triangle. You take the cheap and you extend it out significantly in that triangle. <laughs> so it's no longer, you know, equilateral. Don't worry and about it. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it gets very expensive. Like on our program on the NSX, we work very hard to make it reliable, but we always run into issues in terms of like the limitations of the K-series transmission. When we were in street class, I mean, we were essentially rebuilding a transmission with a Samsonis six-speed dog box, like the best transmission you can buy. Yep. We're rebuilding it every event. You know, so it's, wow. uh, it's like essentially everything we start out with started from the streets as a passenger car or some kind like oh, the parts yeah. came off of. Exactly. And then here we are trying to make it survive these abusive situations. Yeah, yeah we're, we're throwing we're trying to set GT3 lap times in a production based car with the factory Honda case and the factory like, yeah. you know, Honda transmission and engine. And it's like it gets quite challenging. <laughs> wow. Wow. If you're just joining us, Amir Bentatu, race engineer, among many job titles. He's my guest, and uh, OBD1 Kenobi, Brian, is, uh, is like joining me. Slightly. He's slightly, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we're, we're talking about the hill climb. We're talking about racing. Uh, tell me a little bit about the uh, car you've got right now on the mountain. Tell me about the team. Tell me about what you're doing. Yeah, so I'm here working with the Project Import S2000, Okay. which is an awesome car. It's a... Uh, you talk about passion and enthusiasts. This team embodies that in every single way. They're incredible people. Uh, like I mentioned, I'm a professional race engineer, but I work for them as a volunteer. Okay. Because of the fact that they're no different than you and I, mm -hmm. in the sense that uh, Kit, the owner of the car, and Brett Dickey, who's the driver, they're 100% passion driven. They do this out of their own pocket. It it hurts them more than it helps them. You know, kind of situation. But they do it because they love it so much. They can't help but do it right uh, and the car is awesome it's supported by you know project import that's the shop that kit owns uh mtron in australia the ecu manufacturer who also partners with us on our nsx like they're a big supporter brett dickey's a factory mtron driver uh excellent driver but it's one of those programs where realistically if they make it to the top of the mountain we have a good time they're happy yeah that's something i've heard from multiple drivers and multiple people i ask i ask folks well what what's your goal yeah just i just want to make it to the top yeah right <laughs> like that's to put it into perspective i getting, mean them getting people to like understand what their real goal is with some of these projects 
Yeah. Yeah. And I will say like a lot of people go into racing and let's say uh, you're underfunded or underdeveloped or under-engineered. Mm-hmm. People go in with the idea of like, oh, we're going to try to win. But I think with Pikes Peak, it's such a brutal and difficult event that most people go in with a very honest expectation of, we just want to get to the top. And it's so hard. I can tell you, like I've done, I've raced in multiple 24-hour races mm-hmm. and I've gotten more sleep in a 24-hour race than I do... <laughs> The, the five days and Pikes Peak. It's the most brutal event I've ever been to. And it's funny. Like, people are like, oh, are you excited to go to Pikes Peak? I'm like, I hate this event and I love this event. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I like, love it for the passion and the people. And here at FanFest, when we came, there was no FanFest because of COVID. Yeah. And I'm like, what a cool event. But it's like you're up at 2 a.m. The mountain kicks your ass. There's mm-hmm. like nothing about that mountain that it screams like it's good for the race cars. <laughs> exactly. Right. Nothing right. up there is ideal for race cars it's not and then it's also imagine if you went to a racetrack like let's say you went to uh ppir Mm -hmm. and you'd never been there before and they said you're going to get to drive each third of the track three laps and then you have to go race it and set a record the whole thing because on race day it's the whole course exactly but through practice week and and some of my listeners may not be familiar with this through practice week it's sections you're racing the first section second section so on how long can you survive (laughs) and the weather could be basically freezing snowing at the top when you test it and then when you go out to the race it's a beautiful and perfect and the track temp is 40 degrees hotter which completely changes the tires in the setup yep so it's 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 the most ridiculous place i've ever been to like chasing tire pressures which is like if you're building a race car like in race engineering your tire pressure is the most important thing and here i've never had such difficulty chasing a pressure really well and and kind of teeing into that some of the challenges of the mountain you know i was talking to you know, uh, Jimmy Ford, who I've partnered with and have done a lot of stuff with. He's a great guy, and he's yeah. running. He made it into the Fast 15, by the way. Which is incredible in a Bronco. Like, in a Bronco. Mind-blowing. Yeah. I, I have so much respect for that guy. Yeah. and Considering, it, the, I mean, it's car rate set going well, in elevated. That, that's, that's exactly, that's where <laughs> that I was going was with this, though. Yeah, that's where I was going, which is, I was like, well, Jimmy, where do you tune the carburetor for? He's like, we shoot for about the middle. Because yeah, we that's don't what want you're it, saying. Yeah, he's like, we don't want it to lean and we don't yeah. want it too rich. So, because if you shoot for the top or the bottom, you're going to yeah. be heavy on one or a, the other. A carburetor can adjust right. in that level of it, elevation, which is incredible. Like, And then also, the, another thing that I find fascinating about guys like him is not only did he set a blistering pace in a car that has the aerodynamic shape of a brick. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's essentially a 4 by 8 driving down yeah. the road. I'm very familiar with bricks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like... He says it's a Volvo guy. That's Turbo bricks. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but he does that, and then you look at his crew, and it's like, it's his girlfriend, it's his mom, yep. it's his family. Like, it's how incredible family. is that? Absolutely. We go back to stuff like that. Yeah. Like, well, and it's just, it's exciting when you see people like that being yeah. successful and like your team that you're working on like you said it's everyone knows each other it's it, it's a grassroots endeavor yeah and you're swinging with guys who have uh we talked about this on the mountain earlier this morning but who have factory budgets yeah for performance like this the hill climb is one of the only places you were saying that you can be a grassroots person and go race against a factory team yeah it's incredible we were pitted next to the ford guys earlier today and the best part is so uh starred is they're essentially the engineering firm that did the the Ford car. We're pitted next to him. I went and just had a chat. You know, I'm a curious person, and their car is incredible. Started talking to the guy that was in charge of the program, and we started just nerding out. Like, oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, this car's so cool. He's like, oh, when I was in high school, the h- car I wanted was a Honda S2000. Okay. And obviously, we're there, like, right next to him with the S2000, and we're just going back and forth. 
And it's so cool that you can be there with a S2000 that's backed by a shop, minimal budget, and there with Ford factory, you know, racing. Mm -hmm. And yet on an engineering and on an enthusiast side, both are stoked about each other. Yeah. You know, and that's something that in all of the racing I've done over many years, I've never experienced. Like, uh, I, I have to say, it, and it may be an unpopular opinion. I apologize if this says, you know, if this. Upsets I don't know. We're, we're sometimes known for unpopular opinions okay. here, so it's okay. It's all right. Uh, prior to coming to Pike Speak with Project Import, people would ask me, like, oh, do you have any interest in going to Pike Speak? I was like, zero interest at all. Like, I really don't care to do it. It's, uh, it seems like a cool event. I respect it. I look at the results, I look at the finishing, I look at the cars, but I have no desire to do it. After coming here the first year and seeing the way that the community embraces the event, the way that it doesn't matter if you're a professional or an amateur, mm -hmm. uh, the whole paddock community really gets together to help anyone. And it's literally, it's like one of the few places where you can go where it's anything goes. Mm -hmm. Build the car of your dreams. And that in racing, like I, I come from a time attack background and that's why I love time attack so much is yeah. because it's, there are no rules. Right. Build whatever you want. You know, like uh, as a builder, I appreciate that. And Pikes Peak is one of the last places on earth where you can do it on a professional level and also do it as an enthusiast. Well, and it's cool because when you look at, you know, a lot of people complain about large organized motorsports now with yeah. specific like classing and rules. It's yeah. like you've taken out the innovation of it and you've yes. taken out a lot of the fun. Now, there are arguments for good reasons for it in some cases, but... I'm all on board with you on this. I like the A, that, yeah, you can be grassroots and get together with factory teams, be in the same place, and B, yeah. you can build a crazy fast car. Yeah. Crazy right. fast. Which is incredible, and knowing it from a, like, I've been a huge racing enthusiast for many years. You look at, like, 12, 15 years ago, a team like Turner Motorsports or Beamer World, they literally were building just three series race cars that were street cars into SR, or into Pro World Challenge cars. And you could realistically do it with a $115,000 budget, which is a lot of money, but if you're looking from a racing standpoint, it's very little. And they, right. someone that's in it can raise the sponsorship or they have the money to do it. And those guys built the names that they are today, thanks to that. But now if you wanted to go do an SRO program, a GT4 program, which is one of the lowest, biggest class, it starts at about $800,000. Wow. It's, like, it's really insane to think about how much money you can dump into these things now. Uh, yeah. And then there's us with uh, very, very cheap cars. Well, and, and let's, and, and I don't want to take too much of your time, but if, if let's talk a little bit about, you know, we were discussing before the show, uh -huh. work car, like work-life balance with cars. You work with cars, yes. but how do you balance that in enjoying cars in your free time? How does, how yeah. do you do that? Well, I guess, and just because I know you know a little bit of my background to give people that are listening a bit of a background. So I have quite a few jobs. I own a shop called RS Future where we build high-level race cars. It's essentially uh, only top-level builds. We do big projects only. We, like if you call us a change of brakes, we won't do it. Uh, so I own that shop. I work in racing as a race engineer. I host a TV show on Motor Trend called Super Street Garage. And then I have my own time attack program, which is a professional program, which is our case soft NSX. So I have to wear a lot of hats and juggle a lot of things. But the way I've kept it passionate is that I've kept it true to myself. Mm -hmm. I will never take a job or do anything that I don't love. And to today, I can tell you, like, I'm more passionate about it now than I was when I started. Wow. And the live work or the work, you know, life balance, there is no balance for me. It's just... It's just one thing. It's just, just passion. It's just passion. You know, and I will say like the, the word passion gets thrown around a lot and it almost like bothers 
Mm-hmm. Because passion gets used very loosely, but if you look at the Latin root of passion, it's pati, which is pain. You have to suffer through what you love to truly be passionate. And it's, I can tell you, like I've been doing this for a long time, spent all of my money doing it, been on the verge of bankruptcy multiple times, lost relationships, had people very upset at me, and I wouldn't trade it for the world because the pain of this passion is 100% worth what I do. And you, seeing you do this, you know, talking to you earlier about it, I'm sure you feel much the same way. Oh yeah. But it's like passion getting used loosely. It's like someone that's like, oh, I'm passionate about cars, but they're unwilling to trade anything for that passion is different than you being here at FanFest, hosting these interviews, doing cool things, probably giving every dollar you have to make it happen. Like that is true passion. Yeah. And, well, and I even washed my crusty Corolla before I came here. That's how you, <laughs> that's how you know it's passion. Which is funny because we're here in a sea of Pikes Peak amazing cars. I lost my more when I saw your Corolla than I did any other car here. Because like your mom was like, which is amazing that your mom is here. Like you're so passionate about it that even your family is involved. Yes. And she's like, yeah. oh, that's 86 is here. And we mentioned you had an 86. You didn't tell me I had a 20 valve. Oh, okay, so okay. when she pulled me, she, I was like, oh, can we go see? She was like, yeah, we watched it. And I was like, whoa, that's so cool. Like, just the automotive nerd in me. It's like, we have, you know, Ford Performance in their car, uh, Evasive, and I love those guys. They're good friends in their amazing S2000. You have factory efforts, and yet the car that, for me, kind of sing, like speaks to me more so than anything else here is your 86. Well, I, I'm honored. I'm I'm honored. I, I mean, like you know, it's one of those things. It is it is a passion. It is one of those things that you you work on. You spend every dime on it, yeah. and and uh, it's got some. It's got it has some memories. It's got some rust it has on memories it. attached to it. It it does. It does. And I, I I'm also proud to say I am the slowest car here. <laughs> I am literally the slow. I, well, right next to the mopeds. Unless any, if anyone broke their car and it doesn't run, then I guess they they're slower than me. But I, I think I, I think I win that title. So, but it doesn't. You don't have to go fast to have fun. That's true. That is very true. The noise alone sometimes yeah. is yeah. enough. We build cars that are essentially some of the fastest tin top cars in North America, mm-hmm. and they're enjoyable to drive and they're fun, and they cost you three thousand dollars a lap, and that's terrible. And I can tell you. Like, <laughs> Having driven those cars on multiple occasions, having driven them for other teams as a driver, when I hop into my girlfriend's B16B mm-hmm. EK Civic, I will have just as much fun in that thing as I will in my NSX that's 22 seconds faster per lap. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's like fast and money don't necessarily make it more fun. If you truly do this because you love it, the speed almost doesn't matter. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and, and we, I can tell, especially with you and a lot of the people out here, you know, yes, they want to make it to the top of the mountain, but it's all about doing it. That's yeah. it's actually you know it's about doing the race, doing the events, you know, working on the car. It's not just about that podium finish, you yeah. know. And in a lot of cases, like we said, it's sometimes not even about the podium finish. It's yeah. we just want to summit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would you say? And and closing up here, what would you say your goals are with uh, with the team with Brett's S two or the S two thousand that Brett's driving? Yeah. What do you think with that? I mean, my goal realistically is to. Ensure that everyone on the team has the smoothest time while having a fun. Fun. That's yeah, a, that's, that's important. While having while having fun, smoothest time. Hey, if you have fun, like what are you doing it for? Why, why are you here? Why are you here? It's a weird thing. Like you asked, how do you balance that life mm-hmm. and work relationship? Because people make motorsports very unfun quickly, mm-hmm. and with this team, it's all about fun. Absolutely. I, I can tell. I know you guys are having fun. When, <laughs> when I was sitting there on the corner and you were, guys were just boom, flying past me. I mean, you know, come on. They're, that's fun. 
That is fun. So, well, agree more. Amir, I want to thank you for joining me here on the show. Thank you for your insight into some of the racing engineer world, some of your experience as well. I do want to thank you. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. And guys like you, are they remind me why I keep doing this. <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, best of luck on the mountain as well. Thank you to both of you, gentlemen. Thank you. At the Speed Council, getting things done fast is our priority. We do everything fast, from driving, working, sleeping, and eating. Someone help! He's choking! This is Tim. Hello. And by the time this ad is over, he'll have bicycled across the earth 69 times. Nice. Even if our name sounds unfamiliar, you know our work. F1? Pfft. Child's play. The world's first supersonic jet? Yep. That was us. Apollo 11? Also us. The fastest animal in the sea? Hell, we even wrote the Wikipedia article. Fast. And we're so dedicated to speed that we've genetically engineered the world's first hyperspeed speed machine. With this scientific breakthrough, you can interact with and download your favorite automotive podcast a whole day early. How's that for fast? Learn more at facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. This message approved by the Speed Council and the Church of Fast Things. And my next guest, I'm really excited. He is racing the mountain this year. He is an accomplished race car driver with an extensive background, and he's racing an S2000, no less, which, you know, that, that gets me interested immediately. His name is Dai Yoshihara. Dai, welcome to Automotive ADHD. Well, thanks for having me here, man. Awesome. It's great I'm, to be here. I'm so glad to have you here. Really quick, uh, just in case some of my listeners don't know who you are, can you give me a little bit of your background, where okay. you come from, how you got into racing, how you got to being here? Okay, so my name is Dai Yoshihara, and I'm from Japan. Uh, I got a, a drifting championship in 2021, 2011 in Formula Drift. Okay. So that's my main motorsports back then, but I started to do more like a road racing, time attack, and then... 2019, I started competing in Pikes Peak, and this is my fifth try uh, for the Pikes Peak, wow. and um, the first time using the S2000. So very excited about it. Yeah, and, and you know, I was when I was up there for some of the uh, practice days. You know, when you're flying by, I mean, you're going by. Fast. <laughs> you're going, you're going quick. I'm gonna say my S2000 is not that fast. Well, yeah, our S2000 is heavily modified. I I will say it's one of the the fastest. S2000 in the States at the moment. Really? I think so. T tell me a little bit about some of the modification on the car. So it's got a uh, Voltex uh, fully modified uh, body kit, which okay. is like, uh, it's a lot of downforce. Mm -hmm. But to to overcome the downforce, we need the power. So it's mm -hmm. a fully built uh, uh, AP2 engine okay. with the turbo. Wow. But I mean, it makes like 650 to the wheel, but it's Ideally, we need a little bit more, but it's a lot more than the normal S2000 oh, yeah. does. Yeah. So those combo does well with the um, uh, Yokohama tire slick. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. And and you're getting it going up that mountain. Now I, I've talked to a handful of drivers, and a lot of guys say you know their goal for the event is just summit. I just want to make yes. it to the summit. Yes. 
Is, is that what you think as well? It is. It is what it is, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and from your perspective as a driver, what do you find, what's challenging about the mountain? I mean, you've got the elevation, you've got the frost heaves in the pavement, you've got all these things. What's it like from your perspective? You just say that, but uh, basically, that the unique thing about Pikes Peak Hill Climb is you get only one chance mm -hmm. in one year. You get to practice sections here and there, but... You can do only one whole section one time of the year, right? Yeah. And then, like you said, there's a lot of different factors like weathers, temp, you know, temperatures, and sometimes we don't get to run the whole way, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So there's nothing we can control. Right. But we still have to adapt our driving, driving, and then the car setup mm -hmm. towards to that, and then hope for the best. So I feel like you can never get perfect, perfect right. run. Right? Like, right. If I try from now on to when I die, every year I come back, I don't think I feel like I get the best ever perfect map. Well, and, and that's probably what keeps you coming back for exactly. more. Trying to get it every single time. Exactly. And, and tell me real quick about some of the preparation uh, you and your team, Evasive Motorsports, has had to do to, to come up here. I mean, it's not just drive the car up the mountain. There's so much stuff, so many people involved. Right. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, so the basically the same as like, you know, any like a truck racing and time attacks and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Like you got to get the car ready first. But it's really hard to mimic the Pikes Peak race because mm -hmm. altitude, you know, the, when you start to when you finish, the air is different and the weather is different, mm -hmm. temp is different. So there's nothing we can mimic, but we try to mimic as much as we can. So we just go to the local track and then we do like... Uh, like a longevity testing mm -hmm. on the engine but the temperature difference and everything like that we can't mimic so we just guessing and try to get the best out of it right yeah and, and, and just kind of curious too you know with your career coming into here doing pike's peak now where where do you see you know say hypothetically you make that time up the mountain you get it mm -hmm. where would you go what what's next what's on your radar what other things do you want to do other than Pikes Peak other than Pikes Peak cuz like how do you go bigger than uh, Pikes Peak yeah uh, it's a tough one man like i'm still <laughs> trying to figure out what can i do right right i'm already 45 i've done good drifting career mm -hmm. i've been doing some road racing these days but it's not easy Especially learning from this age, um, but the Pikes Peaks is like kind of special. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, nothing like that, right? So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm You'll sorry. Figure yeah. it out when you get there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll see. There. We'll see. Yeah. That's awesome. Dai Yoshihara is my guest. Dai, I want to thank you for joining me. You said you were from Japan. Can I, yes. can I try to say Arigato gozaimasu? Is that right? Arigato for having me, man. Thank, thank you. you. Awesome. In these trying times, the Speed Council needs your support. Well, mostly your money. Alright, just the money. Join our Patreon today at thespeedcouncil.org to get exclusive benefits when you support Automotive ADHD. There we go. That is Jimmy Ford's Ford Bronco ripping it up the mountain. Bronczilla and joining me right here. I am excited to have you, Jimmy, on the show. How have things been going? Oh, man, they started out a little bit rough. 
but uh, they've come around, and now we've made it to the Fast 15, and I am excited for this weekend. Dude, I know. The Fast 15, that is an accomplishment. Yeah. That is an accomplishment, really. It's a dream, really. Yeah, and and what's amazing, too, I've been talking to a few people here and there, and they're like, I can't believe that a vehicle like that Bronco, which is maybe not the most aerodynamic thing, they're like, he got it up there in the Fast 15. That is so cool. Yeah. Dude, that is spectacular. That's some awesome driving, some awesome work on the Bronco. Um, what what has it taken so far to, to get up to here? How have things been going? Like, give me an update on that. Oh man, if I could tell you what I would be here all night telling you the <laughs> stories it took to get here. I mean, we've been through a couple of engines this year already on Pikes Peak. Well, you said on like one of the first practice days, you lost one of the engines. Yeah, I, we spun a we spun a rod bearing, and I'm not exactly sure what happened, but we spun a, spun a rod bearing. So we went to put backup motor in. Backup motor was leaking water down down into the cylinder. So from there, we put the third motor in, and we fired it up, had this terrible misfire. We ran it anyway because we had to get some testing in. Mm-hmm. So we were running on four cylinders when we came back to the house on a V8. It was, wow. it was pretty terrible. It was actually... Uh, Pistons were coming up and closing the plugs up, and, Ooh, wow. and we were really close to having a bad, bad day on our third string motor. But <clears throat> we uh, ended up shimming the plugs out, and I got back on the bottom section and left the start line, and it did a massive burnout. And I was like, "Here we go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, yeah." Once you light it up and you go, yeah, you feel the power, and you're like. Things are working now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love it. How have things been on the mountain for you? I know when I was on qualifying, standing next to the course, I mean, that's where I got that sound clip I played. Like, holy cow. Yeah. That, and, like, you were cooking through there. Man, that 18 motor, that it makes 810 horsepower. And ironically, Vashultz, Leonard Vashultz, that oh, used yeah. to have the Bronco back in the day, mm-hmm. built that engine for us. And so now we're like a true Vashold's Bronco back in back in the day, like it was. And uh, wow, it's very exciting to have a little about 200 horsepower more than we had last year. Oh yeah, and uh, be able to you know lay some rubber down on the track. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially you coming from dirt, being able to slide around a little bit more than usual. You know, I think like coming from dirt racing. Do you, do you find that goes into your style when you're driving more? Absolutely, especially when I leave the line and you know, I I do a burnout just to get the uh tires warmed up a little bit on the rear mm-hmm. and uh it definitely helps but you know that people kind of cringe a little bit on asphalt when people get sideways leaving the start line. Yeah. But I'm used to that. I'm used to driving sideways. So I they know, cringe pe- a little. And people have said you're pretty rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, the reputation makes sense. Yeah. Well, I love going around that first corner sideways. It, it's, it's so much fun. And Dude. then I gather up my senses and I'm like, hey, we're back on asphalt. Let's, let's get it straight. Yep. Yep. I love it. And uh, I, it's interesting you mentioned that because at the start line, I see a lot of guys who will like do these kind of baby starts. Yeah. To, to get up like a little bit, like just kind of ease it and then take off. And yeah. you're just like, man. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love being sideways all the way around the first corner. And some people even, they'll do a pretty nasty burnout, but they won't make it all the way around the first corner with that burnout. And I'm like, oh, let me, <laughs> let me give some, let me lay some rubber down for you guys. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad the, the Bronx, Bronxzilla is treating you well. The mountain's been kind of tough with the weather we've been having. How have you been feeling about that? Yeah, it's been really tough because actually until this week, we've had 
two weekends of testing before this where we weren't able to test the top section. Mm -hmm. And that's really tough because the top section, it changes every year yeah. with the bumps and, you know, relearning where the bumps are, where your line is. And uh, we didn't get it tested till this week. So um, we only got two runs on the top. And, you know, I'm comfortable with the course and everything, but knowing where the bumps are, it's like, it's a little bit shady. So, you know, we just, we're, we're there, but we got to, we got to make it. Well, and those bumps are just terrifying when you think about them, like especially if you're not expecting it. Like you notice them in a car if you're driving up there just normally. But you're doing, you know, I don't know what speed you're hitting up there, 100 miles an hour, buck 20, buck 30. How fast do you think you get on some of the straights? Yeah, probably uh, buck 20. Wow. Yeah, buck 20, buck 25 is I think is what we're coming up with, but yeah, it's uh it's definitely crazy coming into bottomless pit and there's a bump at the end of the straightaway at bottomless pit where you're going downhill and you got to make a hard right. It's like, Hey, there's a bump here. We got to go from 125 through the bump, make a hard right hand. But you know, and, and it, the, the other crazy thing is I think that, uh, with so much weather that we've had this year, mm -hmm. all those bumps have moved lower and lower on the top section. So I came out of, I guess you would call it Boulder park. Mm -hmm. And last year there wasn't, so many bumps but this year on my first run i was like hey there's a lot more bumps here so yeah and and does that change how you're tuning the suspension on it um you know it, it doesn't really change the sp suspension as much but more about my line okay yeah wow and and you know because especially you know it's just when you think about if you hit one of those when you weren't expecting it yeah you then, know then it really upsets the car and you know you got to watch out for spectators i always try to keep them in the corner of my eye because if i do make a mistake that's the last thing you want to do is hit somebody or run off the road where somebody's standing to get close to them and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a gamble. Racing always is, you know what you're signed up for when you, uh, Oh, go yeah. up on the mountain, but well, yeah. and e even for spectators, hey, you got to sign that waiver exactly. You know? and, and I will say the officials are doing everything in their power to make it as safe as possible. And I think them calling it with the rain the other day, you know, just calling the racing off is, is evidential of that. You know, I think they've stepped up a little bit of their safety on that, obviously. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I want to give a shout out to all of the uh, um, the safety crew and everybody else too that goes up there on the mountain um, on their own time and doesn't get paid for it. So oh, right. they're, they're I all appreciate volunteer. them too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're all volunteer. I think I can't remember what the number was. They said something like they have four, maybe four or five full-time employees for the hill climb, the, the actual organization. And you know, and that's year round, but everyone else you see up there, they're volunteer. And that's, and that's really good too, that, you know, being able to thank those guys because they put this on, so we can go up there and watch race cars. And so you can go drive race cars exactly. up there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it's just another thing to keep in mind. You know, you, you got to push it as hard as you possibly can, but you also have to be safe and keep it on the road too, which is part of the balance. But, you know, on race day, it's, you know, that balance is a little bit tilted on the one side. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Now, do you have any any predictions on for, for race day coming up? How do you think it's going to go? I know the weather's kind of like no one knows what that's going to do. But everything else, the car, like, are you? how are you feeling for race day? Oh, man, I'm, I'm feeling really good for race day. Actually, uh, since it got canceled yesterday, we ended up going down to PPIR today mm -hmm. and doing a little testing in the morning. We made a few adjustments, and I'm super happy about what we've changed. And uh, I think we're going to be even a little bit faster than we were in qualifying. I have a little bit that Ooh. I was saving from qualifying day, but All the adjustments right. we, we made, I, I predict that we'll be uh, just a little bit under 10 minutes, I'm hoping. Dude, nice. That is going to be cool. And, I mean, getting into the Fast 15 already, I mean, at this point, I mean – that's that's an accomplishment on its own. So all that's left now, I say all that's left like it's a simple thing, but all that's left is just do the whole the whole thing on yeah. there. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we want to make it to the top. That's definitely our first goal. But getting under ten minutes—that's a whole another goal in itself. That that that, yep. that would be, it, it would be. I mean, keep it. People keep asking me, "Are you on cloud right now for making it in the fast 15? I'm like, "Yeah, my answer is I'm on cloud 409 because that's what we qualified as." So yeah, it's not like, yeah. <laughs> I love it, and and I mean, look, it's one of those great things, you know. Too again, I love what you're doing, especially you know with you and your family. It's a it's a family activity, the whole thing. And I even had uh, I was talking to Amir. He's a race engineer. Uh, for one of the teams out here. I was talking to him earlier on the show, and he said, he even brought you guys up. He's like, I love the community here. Jimmy has his whole family. That's his team. You know, that's so cool. You know, and that's one of the things, being able to do that, get the whole family out, and do that for, you know, something where you're racing against factory teams, you know, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I definitely love coming up here, and that's. it seems like that's how we've been our whole life. We've always been an underdog in our budget, but we come up here and compete with the big teams, and I love doing that. I mean, it, it's been absolutely a, the best experience that I can have this year. I mean, obviously, we uh, uh, made it through some hard times, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> at the end of the day, it's all about how hard can you push it and how hard can you have the family support and how hard do uh, your fans back you up, and that's what we're all about. I mean, it's not just about coming up here for me. It's about all the support that I have, too. Right, because it is a team effort. And when your team's your family, it's a family effort. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, hey, Jimmy, I want to thank you for joining me on the show. Best of luck on the mountain coming up on Sunday. I'm going to be hanging out there. I'm going to try not to get run over by anybody, or you especially, because <laughs> you'll be going really fast. Man. I'm just saying. So I look forward to seeing you up there. Best of luck. Hey, seven's a lucky number, so look for a 407 on the bottom section from us. Ooh, all right. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> all right. Jimmy Ford, thank you for joining thank me. Thank you, Matt.